Today's lesson is entitled, God Chooses the Younger Twin. And it's taken from Genesis, the 25th chapter, verses 19 through 34. And it's for the fall quarter, lesson number two, September the 11th, 2022. From Chattanooga, Tennessee, it's time for the Gospel Mailbox with Donnie Bryson. If you would like to contact the ministry, you may call Donnie at 423-355-3859. Write Donnie at P.O. Box 2446, Chattanooga, Tennessee, 37409. Or email him at this email address, preacher at gospelmailbox.org. And now for today's lesson, here's Donnie Bryson. Now, a little background information. I want to read this quote from Dr. J. Vernon McGee. This is the line we're going to follow. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob is the way the first chapter of Matthew begins. Each of these men had other sons, as we have seen. Abraham had quite a few sons, but the genealogy of those men is not followed. Is, is the genealogy of Isaac that is followed. You can forget Ishmael and Midian and, Med and Medan and all the rest. They will cross paths with the descendants of Isaac time and again, but we will not follow their lines. And by we will not, that is basically the Bible does not really follow their lines. And follows because the promise was coming through Isaac. And then from Isaac, it started going through Jacob. And from Jacob, it started going through uh, Judah. And that is the line that the Lord Jesus Christ is in. Now, today's lesson is discussing the very early life of Jacob and Esau. And one of the things that I want us to all take away from this as a matter, as a practical matter, is how that the father picked out one favorite kid and the mother picked out one favorite kid. And it ended up triggering tension inside the family. And that is something that we should not do. And let me encourage all the parents who are hearing me either on the radio or on YouTube or, or on a podcast on the podcast, however you're getting this message, let me encourage you with everything in me not to have a favorite child. Okay? Okay, Genesis 25. 19 and 20. These are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham fathered Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean of Padanaram, the sister of Laban, the Aramean, to be his wife. Now, in these early days of the human race, it was very common for people to marry cousins, and the ramifications of doing that are not the same as they are today uh, because it took a while for sin to degenerate the chromosomes of the human race. And that's one of the reasons why they were able to do that 
uh, in those early generations. And also, too, people lived a lot longer at the time of, of Abraham and Isaac. And so it was not uncommon for someone to be of that age and uh, waiting to be that age before they married. And, and Isaac was 40 years old before he got married. And in today's standards, that would pretty much well be considered uh, to be um, an old bachelor if you're 40 years old and not married. But that was not the case at this time period. Okay? Now, Genesis 25 and 21. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Now, I want us to make note of the fact that Rebekah had been barren for 19 years. And I also, too, want us to make note of the fact that Brother Isaac was praying for his wife. He was a man of prayer, and he prayed for his wife, and she did conceive. The Lord answered her prayer. Genesis 25, 22 and 23. The children struggled together within her, and she said, If it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other, the older shall serve the younger. Now, there are a lot of different theories of exactly what is meant here by she inquired of the Lord. Now, there are some uh, Bible scholars, and I tend to agree with them. There are some Bible scholars that believe that, that um, uh, Rebecca had a personal inquiry of the Lord and inquired of the Lord individually, very personally, her and the Lord uh, talked, and the Lord told her that. There are also some, such as, for example, uh, Brother John Gill, uh, who makes a very detailed, different take on it of different ways or different people she could have went to. Uh, he noted, notes that Abraham had lived 15 years into uh, this time period, and it could very well have been that she went to her father-in-law, Abraham, and inquired of, and had him inquire of the Lord God of what was going on, and Abraham told her uh, what was going on, what the Lord had told him to tell her. It could have also been that she inquired of a prophet such as Melchizedek and inquired of him. 
And then he turned around and inquired of the uh, Lord God. But regardless, she did seek out an answer because this struggle that was going on inside of her is much more than what is normally expected and experienced when women have, are going to give birth to twins. It was as if they were wrestling around and fighting each other inside her womb. So regardless, that struggle was going on back in that, all the way back from the very beginning of their existence. Okay? Genesis 25, 24 through 26. When her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red, all his body like a hairy cloak. So they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. And that's how we were able to calculate the 19 years that she was barren, by the way. And as I had mentioned a little earlier, this struggle that was going on inside of her was much more than what is normally experienced. In fact, the New International Commentary uh, points out that the actual Hebrew word that is used for struggle is, in other places in the Old Testament, is translated and meant to be abuse, crush, oppress, and that's usually what that word is translated to and what it usually means. It's it's not just a um, pushing each other around. It's a very aggressive struggle that was going on inside of her. And it's very unique the way that they were born. And the fact that, that Jacob was holding on to the heel of his older brother. Okay? Genesis 25, 27, and 28. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man, dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Now, God's predeterminate will would have happened regardless whatever else. But by the fact that uh, the father picked one kid and the mother picked the other, and they were actively demonstrating their favoritism, instilled these young men with hostility toward each other and jealousy toward each other that lasted for generations. And it could very well have been avoided if they had just let God's will play out and not tried to uh, play favorites inside the family. 
But there are also other instances of, of, of family favoritism in the Bible. Uh, there is the instance of Cain and Abel, Ishmael, and Isaac. You know, so Isaac came by this very naturally because of his brother Ishmael. And it instills hostility when people do that, when families do that. And one of the things I really want us all to go away with this, you know, as parents, as grandparents, as aunts and uncles, um, as teachers in school, don't play favorites. You can damage both parties when you do that. A child who has been picked as a favorite uh, oftentimes ends up being a weaker child because they've been let they they were let go and covered up for so much. Okay, Genesis twenty five. 29 and 30. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field, and he was exhausted. And Esau said to him, Let me eat some of that red stew, for I'm exhausted. Therefore his name is, was called Edom. Now, I want us to really stop and think about this, how expensive this transaction was going to be. Because, see, Esau was set up to have the right of progenitor in that time period where the eldest, eldest child or the eldest son got a double portion of the wealth of the father when the father passed on. And Isaac was a, an extremely wealthy man because Abraham had acquired a lot of wealth. And then it was passed on to Isaac. Almost all of it was passed on to Isaac. And then Isaac was growing in wealth, and Isaac was, his wealth was growing. So Esau is set up to get a double portion of his dad's wealth when his dad passes away. But he's being a drama queen. He is making things out a lot worse than what they were. Oh, I'm dying. Oh, this is so bad. And he's about ready to make a very serious mistake, one that he will regret for a, the rest of his life. Proverbs thirteen twenty five reads, The righteous has enough to satisfy his appetite, but the belly of the wicked suffers want. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that they don't have enough food in their cupboard. 
It's because the appetites of the wicked sometimes get carried away to where they are never satisfied. And if you'll look at people, a lot of times when they are tied up in sin and they are being dominated by a sinful nature and they are living in the flesh, nothing will ever satisfy them. And that may very well be the situation with Esau at this point. He may not be nowhere near as hungry as he said. And not only that, he was a great hunter. If he was that hungry, he could have went out and hunted some game and killed some game. Okay? Now, Genesis 25, 31, and 33. Jacob said, Sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I'm about to die. What use is a birthright to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Now, in this culture, during this time period, when you made a vow, it was like entering into a legally binding contract today. Once you signed on the dotted line, there was no getting out of it. And when Esau swore his birthright away, his right of primogenitor, when he swore it away, it was gone. There was no getting it back. And notice again how he is uh, being a drama queen about this. Oh, I'm about ready to die. What good would the birthright do to me if I die of starvation right here? And it's just being a drama queen. He could have went out and probably found him some figs. He could have went out and, and hunted and killed some game and built a fire and threw the game on the fire, cooked it up. There was no way in the world that Esau was going to die if he didn't get any of that porridge. No way. But it cost him dearly, dearly to give in to his fleshly desire. I tell you what, now there's a story in the book of Numbers in the 11th chapter where the uh, children of Israel were out there with Moses, the manna was coming down, and they began to whine and go on about how that they had fruits and they had some meat and everything in Egypt, and they got drug out into this wilderness, and it was causing them all this trouble, and all they had to eat is just nothing but this manna. And they whined and went on, and God punished them for that, for that whining and going on. And we need to take that to heart. 
We do not need to be whining and going on and being some type of drama queen. Buck up, pilgrim, and head toward the promised land. And we all, each one of us, need to be careful not to be whining and going on about little bitty things. Don't be like Esau. Don't sell your birthright for just some momentary fleshly fulfillment. Okay? Genesis 25 and 34. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Considered it nothing. He despised it. He considered it trivial because he wasn't enjoying the birthright right at that moment. He wasn't looking toward the future. He was only looking toward the momentary fulfillment of his fleshly desires. The writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 12, 16 and 17, that no one who is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal, for you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. Let me tell you something. If you think, if God's called you to preach, and you think it's too much work and too much effort, and you'd rather play video games, or you'd rather uh, go fishing, or you'd rather go hunting, or something like that, instead of preaching the Word of God, and God calls you out in the field, and you are resisting In the end of the day, when it's all said and done, you're not going to be able to undo that for nothing. You're going to be like Esau. Don't sell your birthright for momentary physical fulfillment. Do not sell your birthright for trivial just stuff. Okay. Now, concluding thoughts. I want us to really stop and think about the story of Jacob and Esau. Two brothers, two twins. They had different personalities. They each had their own flaws. You know, Jacob had issues. Uh... He was a conniving person. He could uh, connive and uh, get things on the sly. But he also sought the face of God. He sought God. He wrestled with the angel all night. I won't let you go until you bless me. He had the tenacity to hang in there. 
And they are times where, like Jacob, we need to uh, lay hold of the altar and I won't let go till you bless me. There is an old saying that we have in Pentecostal churches about praying through, hanging in there, keep praying, keep seeking God till you get an answer. And we need to be like Jacob and have that tenacity to keep praying till we pray through. And we see how Jacob, how he kept pressing on till he got the things that he needed. And we need to be uh, we need to have that tenacity. But we need to be more honest than Jacob. You know, God taught Jacob. He sent him to the school of Uncle Laban. <laughs> and, and Laban did a couple of the good numbers on, on, on Jacob. And by the time it was over with, I believe Jacob began to understand that it's not too fun when it's when the shoe's on the other foot. Cause you remember how that how that Jacob he thought he was getting one sister and he got the other, and he ended up having to work for both of them. And um so he got got the same deal kind of kind of uh done to him that some of the uh, slick deals that, that he had pulled on his brother Esau. And I'm sure he began to learn uh, to treat people a little bit more fairer and with a little bit more honesty than what he did originally. Okay? Well, friends, good Lord willing, I'll be back with you next weekend. You have been listening to The Gospel Mailbox with Donnie Bryson. If you would like to contact the ministry, you may call Donnie at 423-355-3859. Write Donnie at P.O. Box 2446, Chattanooga, Tennessee, 37409. Or email him at this email address, preacher at thegospelmailbox.org. 